Act Three of Galahad Jones by Arthur Adams. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three. The dining room in Galahad's cottage is a commonplace, oblong room with tawdry decorations and cheap furniture. A door gives the sole entrance to the room from the hall. There is, of course, the usual sideboard with cupboard and drawers. The fireplace is surrounded by wood, painted to resemble gorgeous marble, and an overmantel of bamboo framing small pictures and supporting flimsy shelves on which is an assortment of futile ornaments of china. A dining table, covered with a white tablecloth, has been half cleared of the remains of the Sunday tea for the family. Beneath the window, with its cheap lace curtains, is a sewing machine. Chairs are set about. It being summertime, there is no need yet for lighting the gas. Over three weeks have elapsed. It is Sunday evening. Galahad is sitting in an easy chair in his shirt-sleeves, and without any covering to his feet, except his socks, reading the Sunday paper. He puts down his paper, satisfied. Nothing about burglars in gardens and criminal assaults on bank managers yet. He takes out Sybil's letter from his hip pocket and looks at it. To you. To me. He reads it through, and with a final shake of his head, puts it back into his pocket. Over three weeks ago. How long ago it seems. I wonder how the poor child is getting on. Hearing a sound in the passage, he hastily grabs the paper and pretends to read. M enters in her Sunday best. <sighs> there. The children are asleep at last. She comes round to the front of table and starts wearily collecting the remaining dishes. M? Yes, Gally? What are you going to do now? Clear this way, of course, and wash up. Why can't Cathy do that? Oh, Cathy's in her room, doing her hair. What she want to do her hair for? I expect she wants to go out, but I'll have a word to say to her about that. Don't you think you've done enough work on a sweltering day like this? You sit down and read the paper. <laughs> Likely, with all the washing up to do. I'm going to wash up. He rises. Nonsense. I like it. Taking her by the arm and leading her to the easy chair. You haven't been off your feet all day. That's true. And they do swell so this hot weather. I'll just give them a rest. That's right. Now, I won't be ten minutes. And then we can have a nice long chat. What on earth about? Oh, about everything. Why, we've talked about everything for twenty years, Scally. There isn't much left to talk about, is there? She sits. No. You see, we've said all the things we ever wanted to say. That's true. Well, here's the paper. He gives her the paper, collects the dishes, and takes them out. M, eagerly taking up the paper and reading... Hmm, the wife of Eric Snapper, of a girl. Hmm, 
that makes the eighth all girls too i call it positively indecent marriages hmm, nobody i ever even heard of ah cheap sale of corsets simply slaughtered at ridiculous prices four and eleven pence happeny oh, and mine won't be worn out till after christmas and then corsets will be up again oh, so that's the new style of skirt i wonder how one of these hobbles would suit me at least i've got something to hobble ah here's a society wedding why the bride's dress was something like mine was putting down the paper hmm, now where did i put that clipping about my wedding i know i kept it she rises and searches in the machine drawer galahad returns with his wife's apron tied round his waist and his sleeves rolled up he begins to collect the remaining dishes what have you lost em em failing to find the clipping in the sewing machine she searches the drawers of the sideboard i just thought i'd look up the account of our wedding our wedding ah, i knew i'd put it away somewhere she sits examining some papers and picks up a faded portrait why that's john and we haven't been to see his grave for years <laughs> what a fat little chap he was galley i always thought he'd grow up the image of you ah well perhaps he's better off galahad takes the photograph reverently and gazes at it then puts it down on her lap poor little chap um, we'll go out next Sunday and put some flowers on his grave. Why, we've almost forgotten him, haven't we? There, there. That's all over long ago. Somehow I never seem to have time to fret nowadays. The children keep me busy. And yet, at the time... Hastily picking up an envelope and taking from it a baby's lock of fair hair. <laughs> his hair. Or perhaps it was Cathy's. No, it looks more like Toddy's. I wonder which it is. Well, well, when you've brought up five, you forget. She puts it back into the envelope and picks up a newspaper clipping. Here it is. She reads it, Galahad looking at it over her shoulder. It was a pretty wedding, wasn't it? The bride's tall, pretty, rounded figure. Well, nobody calls me tall nowadays though i've not shrunk have i just filled out a bit am comfortable looking like every other happy married woman <laughs> happy yes i suppose that's it it's worry makes you thin and i defy everybody to say i ever worried she puts it down and picks up a ball program a ball program galley fancy me keeping that oh reading it and pointing it out to galahad g j g j g j all the way down didn't i dance with anybody else that night i know i had no other partners i used to just love dances but they're too heating now but that night you said i was the lightest dancer in the hall did i so you were my marriage lines picking up a blue paper well i've got that anyhow which is more than certain ladies in this street can say for themselves galahad 
leaning over and picking up an envelope. What's this? He takes out a dried sprig of blossom and, puzzled, smells it. A bit of baronia. That very identical sprig of baronia you gave me that day. The one I pinned in my blouse. She eagerly smells it. No, I pinned it in for you. <laughs> so you did, now I remember. So I kept that and put it carefully away and forgot all about it. Well, well, marriage does knock the romance out of you, doesn't it? Looking over the papers. That's all, except some old letters. Why, that kettle will be boiling itself dry. He ambles out, taking the remaining dishes with him. M, picking up a bundle of letters, tied with a black bootlace. Galley's letters to me? No, I tied them up with a garter. Addressed to Galahad Jones, Esquire? A woman's hand? Now who's been writing to my galley? And he kept her letters and never told me. Nasty bold handwriting, too. She unties the lace. The postmark? Relieved. Oh, over twenty years ago. Well, she must be over forty now. Why, she was writing to him at the very time he was writing to me. The year we were engaged. The deceiver. And all the time I thought I was the only one. I'll see who she was anyhow. Hurriedly opening the first envelope and putting it down with a gasp of relief. <laughs> my letters. My letters to Galley. And I didn't recognize my own handwriting. It's changed out of all recognition. Well, well. With childish delight. <laughs> so he kept them all, even to this scrap written on a leaf of the prayer book that I passed to him in church. But how I must have changed, too. Galley must have noticed it. <laughs> the lightest dancer in the hall. And now, no wonder Galley went climbing walls after strange women. She rises determinedly. But never again. I'll hold him yet. I'll wear my best blouse and those open-work stockings. I'll be more fluffy with my hair. Even husbands like fluffy hair. Though, of course, it's only untidy hair. I've seen him passing his hand over Cathy's hair. And I've got more hair than ever Cathy had. Hers is mostly pad. And in this hot weather, open-work stockings are really much cooler. A crash comes from the kitchen. <gasps> Heavens! Galahad enters, still in the apron, carrying a broken meat plate. Only the best meat plate. Off all the clumsy! It slipped. <laughs> I'll finish the things myself. You can't trust a man. I've finished them, all except this. Hang up the dishcloth to dry? Yes. Turned out the gas? Yes. Oh, well, wonder you didn't wake the children. I'll just go and make sure. Of all the noisy, clumsy... <sighs> she goes off, taking the broken dish, muttering. Galahad, with a despairing gesture. What's the use? What's the use of trying to be romantic? He lights the gas. Cassie comes in, in underskirt and slip bodice, with her hair half done. The pad showing. Father, Mum says I can't go out tonight, and I promised to go for a walk, and 
I'm nearly dressed. I can, can't I? You must do as your mother tells you, Cathy. Well, you don't. What do you want to go out for? Just a stroll. It's so hot inside. Who with? Oh, a girl. It's pretty dull at home, isn't it? Is it? Um, I suppose it is. But if your mother says... Oh, mother. What does she know of... of romance? More than you do, child. Why, when she was in love with me... Mom in love with you, father? It seems ridiculous, doesn't it? What is funny in a girl being in love with me? Oh, I, I didn't mean that, father. Only, if I fell in love, it would be with a man that... Oh, big and strong and beautiful, with a stern chin and nice creased trousers. But I can never believe that you and Mum could really be in love like I could be. Of course you liked each other, but in love? Passionately in love? <laughs> I can't help it, Father. <laughs> it does seem so funny. <laughs> Not at all. Why, we are in love with each other now. Well, you don't show it. No, perhaps we don't need to. It's not what I call love. I don't think people can be in love when they're married. I'd like a man to be in love with me always. And I'd never marry him. <laughs> Just keep him wretched and spurn him. Oh, here's Mum. M returns. I can go out tonight, can't I? That you can't. So there. To Galahad. She's going out to meet a man. No, it's a girl. <laughs> Fiddlesticks. I simply must go. I promised. Father. Father. Settle it yourselves. No, you must put your foot down. Cathy, putting her arms round Galahad. Father, if you don't let me go now, I I'm nearly dressed. I'll... <laughs> She weeps. Oh, if she cries, I know how it will end. There, there, Cathy, don't cry. You'll spoil your pretty eyes. You can go out tonight, as you promised. It'll be cooler outside, but you must be in by ten. Cathy, instantly stopping her tears. Oh, you're a dear old dad. I can't understand anybody being in love with you. I'll promise to be in by ten, and I've only just got time to finish dressing. She runs off blithely. <laughs> That's so like a man. A woman only has to cry. And she's off to meet a man. That's why I let her go. Of all the... But the lies she told, saying it was a girl. Em, don't you remember how hard it was for you to get out at night to meet me? Don't you remember the yarns you told your mother? Oh, That's different. Everything's different when you forget. But why can't she confide in her mother? Oh, this little secret of hers is the best part of the fun for her. Don't you remember how proud we were of our cleverness in keeping our great secret to ourselves? <laughs> it was great fun, and we found out afterwards that Mother knew all the time. I expect we're getting old, Galley. We've forgotten so much. 
it does seem hard for us to keep cathy in at nights it's different with us yes we've had our little romance let cathy have hers a romance the man's always prating about romance and i should think you've had enough of romance that night over three weeks ago with the cold you caught climbing walls well nothing happened you see nobody said a word there's nothing in the paper about trespass and assaulting people in their gardens i must have lost my medal before i got over that wall and the policeman gave me quite a friendly nod the other morning well whatever it was it's been a lesson to you i notice you haven't suggested going fishing again no i've had enough of fishing i'm glad it's all blown over do you know em for a fortnight after every time i heard a knock at the door i thought it was a policeman coming to arrest me a loud double knock sounds a knock somebody at the door at this hour oh em if i've been found out if it's a policeman with handcuffs nonsense i'll look after you i just like to see a policeman arrest you you'd better go and see who it is the knock is repeated no i don't you go yes i'll go i'll send a dozen policemen pecking she goes galahad waiting in suspense suddenly discovered he has her apron on and tears it off m returns it's a man a strange man not in uniform a detective i'll bring him in m does so returning with the butcher he is in ordinary clothes and is vigorously mopping his perspiring face mr jones strath if it ain't the bloke i met in the garden my name is jones it's your son then i want galahad jones my son's name isn't galahad i'm galahad jones you a man of your age married too and a family i'm surprised at you there i knew he was deceiving me what do you want to see me about i'd better see you with a look at em in private are you a detective lord no i'm a butcher oh i'm not one to stay where my company isn't wanted remember if you want help galley i'm just in the kitchen she makes a dignified exit you're the bloke all right you're the one i saw in the garden that night the old bloke chased us oh and you were in that there summer-house with that there piece old enough to be her father women are funny but i won't give you away old chap i'm seeing a bit of skirtin that there garden meself honour among thieves eh what's your message quick only this he produces a letter chucked over the garden wall to me yesterday as i was deliverin the meat they're always throwin their love letters at me feet but when i opened this one i found another envelope inside addressed to you all she wrote to me was a note tellin me to deliver it for god's sake at once 
I couldn't find out your private address till this afternoon. Yes, it's her handwriting. Take a seat. Galahad opens the letter and reads. My brave knight. Rapidly he scans it and is overcome with consternation. My God, to die? Anxiously to the butcher. Look here, what am I to do? Galahad reads. My brave knight, I haven't seen Oris since that night. He must be ill, and soon, very soon, it will be too late. That day I first met you, I overheard the doctor tell father that I had only three weeks to live. The three weeks were up on Friday, and I feel that the doctor was right. But I cannot die without seeing Horace once more. You must bring him to me tomorrow night. At all costs, it must be tomorrow night. I have been getting weaker and weaker, but it is my anxiety about Horace that is killing me. If I can only see him, I shall be all right again. So I must again appeal to you, the only person who can help me, my knight, my Sir Galahad, Sybil. The poor kid's gonna die? And I thought you and her... That Horace, the cad, never been to see her, the brute, and she's dying for the sight of him. Oh, and I don't even know his private address, and it's Sunday. Look here, you and I are the only friends she's got. You've got to help me find that cad. Righto, poor little kid. What's his other name? Lothian. He's in Blau's warehouse. But how can we find out his private address? No, it's hopeless. I'll tell you what. I'll go tonight and keep her alive on lies till tomorrow, and then we'll bring Horace to the garden. He can't love her if he won't see her, and make him swear he loves her. But over three weeks? Doctors don't know everything. It's her love that's keeping her alive. It's her love that will save her yet. Meet me tonight at eight o'clock at the end of the lane. I want you in case anything happens. Righto. I'm on. Eight o'clock? So long. The butcher departs. Galahad sees him out and returns, calling as he enters. Em? Em comes in. Well? I've got to go out in half an hour. I've got an important appointment. Fishing? Um, uh, yes. Over walls, I suppose. Well, Gally, you're not going. But I tell you I must. It's a matter of life and death. I've heard that yarn before. You're going to meet that creature with the chemical hair that lives in a garden and gets married men into trouble. I won't have it. So there. Em, you must trust me tonight. Oh, I'll trust you all right. But I won't give you your boots. My boots? He looks at his socks. You wouldn't keep my boots? Oh, wouldn't I? I'm going to save you from yourself, Gally. I'm going to save you from a life of sin. Em. You can't go out meeting a creature with chemical hair in your socks. If you want your boots, you'll have to climb over my dead body. Em. I'll go and lock em up now. She pauses as a knock comes to the door. Oh, who's that? It's the policeman, but I don't care now. <laughs> well, I'll go and see. I'd rather see you handcuffed than in your boots. She goes out and returns, showing in Mr. Beach. Mr. Beach? Yes, Mr. Jones. 
I've come to see you on an important matter, alone. Emma, protectively putting a hand on Galahad's shoulder. We are one. Em, this is Mr. Beach, my bank manager. Mr. Beach, my wife. Beach shakes her hand. Oh, I beg your pardon, Mr. Beach. I thought you were a detective. To Galahad. Anyhow, I look up them boots. She goes out. Please sit down, Mr. Beach. I've a little matter to discuss with you. Wouldn't it do tomorrow at the office, sir? It won't wait. Producing a silver medal. Do you recognize this? It, it looks rather like a medal. Usen't you to wear a medal on your watch chain? Yes, but I, I must have lost it. And I've found it. You will not venture to deny that this is yours. I see by the inscription that it was bestowed by the Poultry Society of Sydney, 1894, to Galahad Jones, second prize in Buff Orpingtons. He hands it to Galahad. Yes, it's my poultry medal. I used to go in for Buff Orpington, sir. I'm very pleased that you found it, sir. I value it very much. It's the only medal I ever won. Thank you, sir. And now, Mr. Jones, will you kindly explain how this Buff Orpington medal was found in my garden? I'm afraid, sir, I cannot explain. Listen, Mr. Jones. Some scoundrel knocked me down in my own garden one night three weeks ago. I could not identify him at the time, but the finding of this medal this morning explains it. It must have been you, though I thought it was a bigger man. What were you doing in my garden that night, and why did you so savagely assault your manager? I would tell you, sir, if only I were concerned. But I've been sworn to secrecy. For the sake of, of the other party, I cannot speak. You mean you won't? Very well, Mr. Jones. I could have you arrested and punished for trespass and assault. I know it, sir. And you refuse to explain? You could put me in jail, Mr. Beach but I cannot break my solemn oath. Beach, leaning back in his chair with a gesture of defeat, then, in a tone of appeal, Now, Mr. Jones, I must tell you why I ask this explanation. I ask it. I do not demand it. My daughter, my only daughter, is seriously ill. The doctors say that her only chance, not of life, but of slight prolongation of life, is perfect seclusion and quiet. Any excitement would be at once fatal. So as her father, I must protect her from any possibility of shock. She had a foolish love affair, a childish infatuation which I had to stop. Why, sir? God knows, now that she is so soon to go from me, 
I would give in to her in everything. But the doctor told me that with her excitable temperament it would be criminal to let her see her lover again. Who is he, sir? What's his address? I don't even know his name. I must keep her as long as I can. And each day she gets weaker. She is slipping away from me each hour. And there is something behind all this. Something I know nothing about. Something that threatens. I am in the dark. Horribly in the dark. She had told me nothing. And I dare not excite her by questioning her. Your presence in my garden that night might have killed her. Won't you help me now to save her a little while longer? No, no, Mr. Beach. She confided her little secret in me. She picked me out of all the world to succour her, and she made me swear to keep her secret. I'm responsible only to her. Can't you trust me, sir, to act for the best, for her best? But, man, the thing is serious. There's not a moment to waste. She does not know how soon she must die. She does know. She knows? Knows that perhaps she hasn't another day to live? She overheard the doctor tell you three weeks ago. She knew then? She knows now? She knows. But how, how do you know? She told me. She knew all the time? And I have kept even a hint of it from her? Was that wise, sir? To keep her in ignorance and let her little life slip away without her knowledge? To let her last days go by in commonplace things? There must have been so much she wanted to do. So many last messages to send. So many friends to see. And you would let her go into the dark like a train into the blackness of a tunnel? Mr. Beach, was she happy? Beach, almost collapsing into his chair. Happy? God knows I meant her to be happy. I did right, surely I did right, not to tell her the truth. And she knew, and never told me. All the time she had that dreadful secret to carry by herself, and I might have helped her. She seemed so happy, so ignorantly happy. She had some other secret against which even the knowledge of her death was powerless. How could she be so happy and dying? She was happy and living. She may have been living these last days to the utmost, getting out of every minute a year of the fullest life. But what have you to do with my daughter? For God's sake, tell me what you know. How can I go on in the dark? No. I can't trust you to do what is best for Sybil. You would spoil it all. You do not understand. Till she releases me, I must do what I think best. Then I'll fight you in the dark. You'll take the consequences. I must, sir. I could have you jailed. You won't get anything out of me, sir. Of course, in my daughter's position, I can't risk any publicity. But I can punish you and prevent you interfering with my daughter's one chance of life. Yes, sir. I shall be obliged, Mr. Jones, if you would send in your resignation from the bank at once. 
Certainly, sir. And I've taken steps to prevent anyone entering my garden again. The gates kept locked, and the walls have broken bottles on them. Good night. Good night, sir. I'll show you out. He does so. Em returns. It's a rise. He's given Gelly a rise. Galahad returns. It's all up, Em. I'm dismissed from the bank. Got the chuck. Uh, dismissed? Yes. That was the man I knocked over. Your manager? You knocked Mr. Beach down? And blacked his eye. Em, embracing him with pride. Oh, my noble galley! I always knew that you could fight. Oh, the whole street shall hear of it. But I've got to send my resignation in tomorrow. What's that matter? You're too good for a bank. Why, they haven't given you a rise for six years. You can get another job. At my age? And all I know is how to count cancelled banknotes. Well, I'll work. We'll take that little shop at the corner. Shopkeeping? I say, I'm as hardly respectable. <laughs> you talk of respectability. Going around blacking people's eyes. Ah, we'll manage somehow. Em, Em. Kissing her. And I won't want my boots tonight. Oh, my own. She returns his kiss. Cassie enters, dressed for going out in her Sunday best. Kissing? Mum, I am surprised. It doesn't seem decent somehow. M. shamefully standing apart. Nothing to be ashamed of, is there? I've never seen you do it before. Father, I've just run in to thank you for letting me go out. Do I look nice? Very trim, Cathy. Trim? Oh, Lord. Well, pretty, but my girl is always pretty. Pretty? Do I look smart? Smart? Of course you always do. Fine feathers. You spend every penny on your back. Softening. And even that's undone. Come here. She buttons up Cassie's blouse. Now, you be in by ten. Suddenly struck. Oh, and I forgot to boil the milk. You haven't said a word about my hat. Very trim. I mean, smart. It is smart, isn't it? I trimmed it myself. It's a second-hand model. I'll give you a kiss for liking it, father. She does so. And now, as you've let me go out tonight, I'll tell you something. It's a man I'm going to meet. He's in love with me, and I... Oh, any girl simply couldn't help loving him. He's so nice and well-dressed and always wears his trousers turned up. He really loves you, Cathy? He asked me to marry him as soon as he gets a rise in his screw. Who is he? Oh, I don't think I could tell you his name yet. I don't think Horace would... Galahad, springing up. Horace? Is his name Horace? Oh, I suppose I must tell you. It's such an aristocratic-sounding name. Horace Lothian. Horace Lothian? In love with my Cathy? Yes. He's bringing the ring tonight. Bringing you the ring? Why, father. 
what's ever come over you you don't mean to say that you know anything against horace where are you to meet him at the end of the street where you used to fish when at eight o'clock why it must be nearly that now kathy you can't see him to-night i'll go instead <gasps> oh no it's my duty to see whether he's the right sort for my kathy to marry i've heard something about him carrying on with another girl oh he told me all about that her name's sybil she's in love with him but he's not in love with her besides he hasn't seen her for a month and he's promised me not to see her ever again i must see him i can't have any harm come to my kathy i dare say it'll be all right and if it is i'll tell him that he can call here to-morrow night for you now it's only one day kathy but he's got the ring and i don't even know whether it's pearls yet <laughs> she weeps he'll bring it to-morrow and i'll be back before ten wait up and i'll bring a message to you ah oh, well i suppose i must galahad suddenly determined em em comes in my boots your boots i said boots you're not going out after all now that you've lost your job and everything nothing matters now i'm not a bank clerk any more i'm galahad sir galahad and if anybody opposes me i'll i'll knock em down lord whatever's come over the man it's the heat i got my duty to do i'm going out to interview cathy's young man cathy will stay with you my boots Gally, i don't believe you you're going out to meet that creature with the chemical hair my boots cathy slips out never except over my dead body well if it must be murder you brought it on yourself woman i have a secret duty to fulfil not all the wives in elizabeth bay would hinder me magnificently with lifted arm my boots em suddenly capitulating in a fright oh galley if you really want them of course cassie comes in with the boots em taking them from cassie here they are nicely polished too galahad seizing them sitting in the chair and putting one boot on now em timidly coming and bending over him galley let me lace them up for you tie that one quick em kneels in front of him and does so he is meantime lacing the other my coat and hat em goes for them to cathy at the end of the street you said looks at his watch at eight why it's that now em enters with galahad's coat and hat she puts the coat on then the hat straightens it lovingly and caressingly settles his tie you'll want your stick won't you no i can use my fists proudly sir galahad he goes out my galley how noble he looked he looked like that on our wedding day oh the queen of england would fall in love with him suddenly suspicious yes and other women women with chemical hair quick cathy 
we're going out too get my hat the picture hat and my dress bag it's too hot for gloves why mum where are we going after father curtain end of act three